Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. We are talking about Roth IRAs and 401ks, why you may need a Roth, technical name for today's show. Uh, 781-837-4900 if you're listening on the South Shore and have questions for us this morning. Uh, We're sort of talking about all things surrounding Roths and how they're wonderful investments and I think a little bit underutilized and I try to uh, utilize them as uh, where possible and where appropriate for my clients. Um, So, yeah. Just just what you just said there made me think of something like you said you said that Ross are, are you know good investments or, or you know I mean in your opinion but I think some people don't quite you know understand which is which is perfectly um, understandable that a, a Roth is not it, it's not a different investment per se it's just a it's just a it's just a box you know that you put investments in and it's you know so like if you have you know if you have a, an IRA you know a traditional IRA and you have, you know, X, Y, Z, uh, you know, stock fund or, or, or bond fund or whatever it is in there, you can have the exact same fund in a Roth IRA. There, you know, there's no difference, mm-hmm. um, you know, from an investment point of view. Um, you know, you can you can have it hold exactly the same investments in a Roth that you can in a in a, in a regular IRA. Um, and you know, you know, returns, you know, should be, you know, should be the same, and all those things. So I just, I just want to make that clear because I, th- I, I know I've had that question before. Yeah. Um, is, is it a better investment? Um, and it's, you know, it's no different from 
from an investment point of view, it's you know it's you know virtually identical. It's just that it's just the tax treatment that's different. Yeah, thank you for clarifying. Sometimes I use the word account and investment interchangeably, and I shouldn't because you're right. That can cause a little bit of confusion where a Roth is just an account, and with like an IRA is an account or a four hundred one k is an account, and within that account can be any actually investment or not. Sometimes people put dollars into accounts and they don't want to invest them. They just want to keep them in like a money market. But within a Roth, right, there can be any sort of investment strategy from aggressive to moderate to conservative to even cash. So thank you for clarifying. I think I do use those uh, sometimes interchangeably and, and I should not. So today we're just focusing on the Roth as an account and we have lots of other shows about investment strategies um, and we will have one of those in the near future also. So I wanted to touch on the Roth. We've been talking about how the Roth differs, uh, you know, and, and sort of from an IRA and 401k and where and when it's appropriate for people to contribute to Roths. I wanted to touch, just focus a little bit on the Roth as part of someone's income plan in retirement. So one of the things that we do for our clients is we help them with income planning. And that's just like a fancy term for where's your money going to come from when you're retired and you need money to replace your paycheck. So, you know, and, and, and income planning becomes, it's important to do prudent income planning when someone has different types of accounts and also if someone has like a high rate of withdrawal, right? So th those things, uh, income planning gets a little bit more difficult and, and uh, it's a little bit more meaningful. I believe in tax diversification, like we believe in investment diversification, right? We don't invest our clients' monies in one or two or three individual stocks. We invest in, you know, mutual funds and ETFs, diversified securities, and all, and, and all of our portfolios are diversified, you know, large, small, domestic, international, and all that. So we, we, I believe on, in diversification on many levels. And I also believe in, in, in tax diversification. Like we had an earlier discussion about how we don't know how tax brackets will change in the future. And so the, the clients that we're working with, you know, could be 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. And we don't know for them how tax brackets will change, if at all, in, in their lifetime. And so the way that you, it, it's similar to like investing, like we don't know what the markets are going to do. And so what do you do about that? You diversify. And we don't know how tax brackets will change in the future. So what do we do about that? We diversify. So I think it's great when people get into retirement years and they have different types of accounts. And by that, I mean different uh, accounts that differ for tax reasons. So tax diversification in retirement is great. Um, so in other words, someone that retires and they have a pension, and a 401k. That's pretty simple. There's really no income planning from a tax perspective that you do there because if they need income, they take it out of the 401k, right? Which, which may then be a rollover IRA. So, but in retirement, you could, people also have, they might have a, a 401k IRA, like a retirement account where when you take dollars out, you pay taxes on it. They might have a Roth, and they might have what we call a non-qualified account, which is just a non-retirement account. It's not, there's no, uh, 
there's no tax benefits to that upon contribution or withdrawal. It's just a, it's just money in your name that doesn't have any sort of, that never had any sort of tax break. So that's called non-retirement or non-qualified account. If someone in retirement has, the, from a tax perspective, those are the three, actually there's a fourth one. But those are the main three types of accounts. IRA 401k, where you pay taxes on all dollars. Roth, where you pay no taxes on withdrawals post 59 and a half and after you've had the Roth for five years. And then there's a non-retirement account, the third type, or, or non-qualified taxes you pay on that depend on the investment gains and you pay taxes on gains at capital gains rates and you pay taxes on dividends and interest ongoing. So, so that's different from a tax perspective. And then I'll just throw another crazy one in there, which is a non-deductible IRA where actually you make after-tax contributions to that and that comes back uh, with no taxes, but earnings... You pay taxes, so that's like a, that's a little bit rare, but uh, we'll throw that in there. And one, actually, I could throw another one in as annuities, one, right? Were you going to throw yeah, annuities, annuities in there? <laughs> yeah, yeah one more. Yeah. So actually, that's five. So that's five from a tax perspective. If you throw variable annuities in there, uh, which come out blended, that the taxation of that is blended upon withdrawal uh, for non-qualified variable annuities, I should say. Um, people that have multiple different types of accounts in retirement, that's where income planning can be very helpful. Uh, so, so basically that's from a tax perspective, you know, what's the most, what's the optimum draw in, you know, in current year, what's the optimum draw over your lifetime? What's the optimum draw factoring in uh, leaving dollars to your heirs? So you can approach that in many different ways and that's an individualized discussion with clients. But if you think about all those different places where people could draw money from in retirement, throw in a pension in there, um, then if you think about them, the Roth is the best one because if you've had the Roth for at least five years and you're over 59 and a half under current law, all dollars that come out of your Roth are tax-free. All those other types of accounts had at least some tax consequences. And I shouldn't you know, imply that you're not paying taxes on Roth dollars. You of course are, because you're paying taxes on the dollars before it goes in. But in retirement, that's your best chunk of money to have. And so I, you know, I, I talked to, people about, you know, even if you're getting small dollars into a Roth, even if you can't afford to make the, this year, make the six or $7,000 contribution, um, just put a little bit in because, you know, 20, 30 years from now, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a lot more, uh, not guaranteed, right? I can't guarantee investment returns, but there are some people who are, if they're early in their career, for example, or if they're building a business and, and they, we are assuming that at one point they'll be ineligible to make a Roth contribution. Let's get some money in there now while you can, even if it's a one year contribution at 6,000 or a couple years at 12,000, you know, even if you're, you're just doing it a couple times and then the account's going to sit there for 30 years, that's okay. Cause if it's invested, you'll still benefit from, uh, that con the compounding earnings there and the tax-free withdrawal of that. So that's just, you know, long story short, the Roth is the best chunk of money that you will have available to you in retirement. Uh, just one other thing I thought of that, um, you know, and, and so like, you know, because the money, so, you know, say you put in, you know, $5,000 or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, because you did not pay taxes on that, I'm sorry, you did pay taxes on that money. So, you know, say, you know, a couple of years goes by and something comes up 
and for whatever reason you need to grab that money and you know it hasn't it hasn't been five years yet and you're not 59 and a half yet you can you can always get back your contributions um, without having to pay any taxes or penalties um, because you already paid the taxes uh, on that money so you can you can always get your principal back uh, at any time without tax uh, implications um, it would just be the earnings piece that you know could you know you would pay taxes and, and potentially a penalty uh, to get that money out so it's and hopefully, hopefully that's not the case hopefully you know you don't have to do that but it just you know it is, it is kind of a nice um, you know provide some flexibility there yeah um, yeah I was gonna go over a couple just uh, okay, FAQ. Sorry, yeah. no that's fine just uh, the next topic I was hoping to talk about is just like FAQs about Roth IRAs yeah and one of them is um, like for example I just had a uh, a woman who is in her 50s, so she's not yet 59 and a half, um, but she's in the process of buying a home and, you know, she had money from prior sale and all that, but was a little bit short and had to do some renos when she got into the house. And, um, you know, we were just kind of like, and she's currently not working, you know, because of COVID-19, she's been furloughed. And so it was just kind of like, you know, what do we do? You're not 59 and a half yet. She has, you know, a significant amount of money in retirement accounts, but she had a Roth, you know, not a huge Roth, but, you know, 40 or $50,000, something like that. And, and we were able to do some research regarding what her, how much her contributions were. And we were able to draw out something like $20,000 tax-free, even though she wasn't, even though she's not 59 and a half. And it's just like a little, sort of like a little bonus pool of money that is accessible to you in an emergency or a unique situation like this. Actually, yeah, and we actually had the discussion also about, well, there's actually no penalty to draw from IRAs in 2020 if you're affected by COVID-19, but you do still have to pay income taxes. So yeah. to get her 20000 from her retirement plan, you know, her being furloughed and affected by, by COVID, she will avoid the 10% federal tax penalty, but she'll still pay income taxes. So we'd probably still have to draw out like, you know, 30 to get 20 or something like that. But yeah, it was just kind of cool to be like, oh yeah, that's great. We haven't, we haven't thought about the Roth in a while because she wasn't contributing, but um, yeah, it was just a little, little bonus. So that being accessible is. I mean, um, obviously that kind of flies in the face of the whole compounding thing and you know, it's, uh, right. but, uh, but it, but it just, it is just so people are aware that that's, you know, that it's an option that it, and it does, um, you know, so if you're worried about locking it up, you know, it's like 59 and a half, te- you know, technically you, you can, you can get access to, to it. So, yeah, there's another stipulation that allows first time home buyers to draw from Roth IRAs. Actually, I want to say it's capped at 10,000. Is it capped at 10,000 for a Roth? I'm not sure. Well, okay. I, I don't know if it's changed. Or... Well, another, so we've been talking about Roth distributions over 59 and a half. And after five years, those are called qualified distributions. Another qualified distribution is a first time home buyer. So you can take funds out of a Roth, even if you're not 59 and a half, you can take funds out of a Roth Roth for your first home purchase and there's no penalty for doing that. But yeah, actually Kirk, maybe you could check. I, I can't remember. It is, if, yeah. It, 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 10. It, it is 10,000. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and it, it says, but it, it does say you have to have had the account for five years. For five years. Yeah. Five years and first time home buyer. 
Correct. So you, yeah. don't, you don't have to, you don't have to be 15 and a half, but you have to have the account for at least five years. Yeah. You know what? There's a lot of, um, there it's common for parents to start Roths for their kids when they're like teenagers and they have a part-time job. So don't forget you need to have, we have actually haven't touched on this. You need to have earned income to put money into a Roth. So for example, you have an 18 year old son. If he doesn't have a part-time job, you can't make a Roth contribution for him. If he does have a part-time job, let's say he makes, you know, $2,000 over the summer, mom and dad, they could take his money, of course, and put the 2000 into a Roth, but mom or dad could also put 2000 into a Roth for their son because he has the earned income. And that's, and then, you know, if they, uh, he needs it for a first time home buyer, it's, it's there. And if it's more than five years, then it all comes out um, tax free. So they're a little bit flexible in that regard. Yeah. I have a lot of, um, parents that ask about, you know, throwing just even small amounts of money into a Roth for teenage or college age kids just to kind of get them started. And cause it's a great chunk of money to have. And don't forget an 18 year old making $2,000. Yeah. They're, they're paying taxes to get 2000 into a Roth, but they don't pay taxes. Someone that makes $2,000 doesn't pay taxes right. um, because this, because um, of the standard deduction. So and just yeah, it's another great. Slogan, uh, for, you know, for older folks, you know, so if you're, you know, over seven, you know, over 70 or over 72, uh, you can, you can still contribute to a Roth, um, as long, as long as you have earned income. Yeah. So there's no, that, um, so there's no, there's no age max right. uh, for making Roth contributions, but you, but you have to have earned in, income in that given year. Right. Right. I also just wanted to touch on that Roth IRAs, similar to other retirement accounts, this isn't this doesn't necessarily make them different, but I think it's important to note that for people that have kids that uh, may go to college one day and they're applying for uh, financial aid and they're filling out the FAFSA, uh, so the federal financial aid calculation does not include balances in Roth IRAs. They don't include balances in any retirement accounts or annuity products or actually life, I think life insurance as well, but Roths are grouped in there as well. So that's the, that's the FAFSA calculation does not include balances in Roths, which is great. Individual colleges though, I may include them like individual, from what I understand, individual colleges all have like their different calculation for their aid packages, but the federal calculation does not include Roth IRA dollars, just like it doesn't include 401k and and IRA dollars. So that's really no different from other types of retirement accounts, but still just another reason to consider tucking money in there if, if, if you're eligible. So I think we touched on, we talked about first time home buyer. We talked about how you get your capital. Capital always comes back tax-free regardless of age. Um, so that just gives a little bit of flexibility to that. I, you know, that's that, that component right there is very different from putting money into a 401k and IRA because accessing, uh, accessing IRA dollars before 59 and a half really isn't an option without taxes and penalties. And it's really not an option in a 401k unless you can take a loan. Um, so that's structured a little bit differently, but yeah, I, I just, I, I, you know, there's, there's just so many reasons to try to get a little bit of money in there. That compounding of interest is, is really, really powerful. Um, so let's segue a little bit. We've only have a few minutes, but maybe we can start this discussion for people that are not eligible to contribute to a Roth because they make too much money. You can do, there are these things called 
Roth conversions. Some people call them backdoor Roths. So you can, in any given tax year, someone can convert IRA dollars. So if you have money in a rollover or in an IRA, not a 401k, but if you have money in an IRA or a rollover IRA in any given year, you can, under current tax law, you can convert those dollars to a Roth. So let's say you have $10,000 in an old, it was an old retirement plan through your company and you now it's a rollover IRA. You can convert that to a Roth even if you make $300,000 that year. The, the upside is that that person can get money into a Roth because from an income standpoint, they're not eligible. And if they don't have a Roth 401k eligible to them through their employee, available to them through their employer, they couldn't get money into a Roth. But anyone can convert IRA money to Roth money with no income restrictions. The downside is it's a taxable event. So someone that makes $300,000 as a, let's call him or her a single person, that person is in a 35% tax bracket plus mass is 5%. So that's 40% total. So to convert $10,000 from IRA money to Roth money for this high income earner, they're going to pay $4,000 in taxes to do it. Logistically, there's a couple ways to do it. You, they can convert the entire 10,000 and pay the 4,000 in taxes out of pocket, or they could, in the while converting the 10,000, they could withhold the 4,000 in taxes. So then they're only getting 6,000 into the Roth. That's less than ideal in my mind anyway. If you can, yeah. if you're gonna do this and you pay the taxes out of pocket, that's ideal. So that your your Roth is as big as possible. So, so conversions, these are called backdoor Roths. Yes, very possible. But you have to remember that the people that are not, the people that have to do backdoor Roths are the type of people that are, uh, they're higher income earners because they're not eligible for regular Roth contributions, right? Which is why they're considering a backdoor. And so they're in a higher tax bracket. And so does it make sense to pay taxes at this higher bracket? Because what's your tax bracket gonna be later when you take the money out? And do you have enough years to benefit from that conversion, right? You're paying $4,000 in taxes. You, that, that you'd have to earn, even at a six or 8% per year return, how many years does it take you to recoup that those taxes and beyond that to actually see the benefit have tax-free earnings, right? So there's a, there's like a break-even analysis that would be done in order to do that break-even, that should be done. In order to do that break-even analysis though, you have to know, what the tax bracket is now, we would know that, but you would have to know what the tax bracket is going to be when this person is taking that money out in retirement. That's kind of a guess, unless it's like next year, <laughs> in which case you wouldn't do it. <laughs> um, you'd have to have several, several years in order for that to make sense. So Roth convert, backdoor Roth, there's like all this buzz about it, you know, and oh, I can get money into Roth. I just don't always think they're Appropriate. I don't always think that they make sense, but for someone that's on the, we could continue that maybe after the break, but for someone that's on the younger side, biting the bullet and paying the taxes and then having like a lot of years of, of compounding interest on that and really benefiting from the tax-free nature of the, of the earnings beyond, uh, that may make sense. Oh my gosh, I gotta go. McNamara on money. Just taking a quick break. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. We'll be right back. And 
And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. I'm getting all excited about Roth IRAs and Roth 401ks this morning. Uh, I I was so excited. I almost missed my break there. But yeah, we're talking about why you may need a Roth. I think that they are a wonderful investment vehicle. Um, I think that they are underutilized. I try to always assess for my clients, you know, year over year, whether we can slash should get money into Roths. Um, They're just a great, they're a great chunk of money to have in retirement. Uh, All dollars coming out tax-free. I will say that they're not perfectly suitable for everyone. You know, if you're... Um, 58 and retiring in a couple years and you make good money and you're in a high tax bracket, take your deduction because you'll probably, you know, maybe you're very likely in a lower tax bracket in retirement. Um, no need to, you know, I, that that might not be prudent to put your money into a Roth because a, a tax deduction may be more beneficial for you. But hey, you know, everyone's situation is different and I have been known to recommend Roth contributions for a variety of reasons to older people as well. So it's just something that should be discussed um, specific to your situation. There are, I, yeah, so we, right before the break, I, I, we were touching on Roth conversions and ability for people to get money into Roths, even if they're not eligible. So again, higher income earners are not eligible to make Roth IRA contributions. Um, but yeah, I just, I mean, what are your thoughts on conversions, Kirk? I, I just kind of feel like there's like a little, there's, you know, some hype about them. Like they're, you know, it's such a tricky tax tool, you know, even though I'm not, you know, Roth eligible, I can get money in. I just feel like I just haven't seen a lot of situations where they are appropriate. I'll give you my one, ex- my one exception that I can think of recently yep. where I have a younger client uh, let's say she's about 30 and she she does have a uh, high taxable income and she has like a thousand dollar, like a very small, you know, a couple thousand dollar um, rollover from an old uh, job. And, you know, it was just such a small amount to have its own portfolio. And, you know, for her, because she has such a long investment time horizon to you know, convert that to a Roth where she's paying, you know, even though she's in a relatively high tax bracket, paying 600 bucks in taxes on a couple thousand to get that money into Roth and and have that grow for her over 40, you know, 30, 40 years is, I I thought that was worth it. But yeah, what are you, what are your thoughts on Roth conversions? You know, I think, uh, I think this, this year in particular is kind of a good example of, you know, maybe a you know, a lot of people that are out of work, um, you know, so maybe somebody that's younger again, you know, that has time on their side and, you know, maybe they're, maybe they lost their job or, or, you know, temporarily they're out of a job because of the situation that's going on. And, you know, so if they're going to be, you know, perhaps they're going to be in a, uh, you know, a relatively low tax bracket this year, you know, on, on either on a relative basis or, or just a low tax bracket, um, you know, this might be a year yeah. to consider doing that. Yeah. Um, taking some of your IRA money and, and converting it to a Roth and, and, you know, not paying hopefully too much in taxes to do it. So I think, I think it's very situational. Um, and this is, this is a good example of a year when people are, you know, maybe unexpectedly uh, in, in a low tax bracket and, and might want to take advantage of that. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier about, you know, ideally, you know, you'd pay the taxes out of pocket, um, you know, so that you could, you know, get as much of that money into the Roth as possible. But um, even if, you know, even if you have to withhold, if you're, if you're in a low tax bracket and you withhold it right. from, 
from the conversion, hopefully it's not all, not a lot of money, and so maybe that's okay uh, in the, in this situation. And even if it's even if it's not a ton of you know, you know, my, I guess my you know my opinion is that I wouldn't I wouldn't do it. I probably wouldn't do it. Um, you know, if you're over like the twelve percent bracket, you know, you know, ten percent, twelve percent. I think that makes perfect yeah. sense. But over that, then it kind of becomes a little more questionable. I, I think um, just because you don't know. And again, it depends on on the age. Um, if you're young, if you're younger, then maybe it, maybe it's okay because you because you do have the time to, to compound and hopefully recoup. But you know, if you're if you're older, um, you know, to be paying twenty percent or twenty five percent, I don't know, you know, how long it's going to take for you to get that back, unless 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 the, the plan is that it's going to be money for you know for your heirs, then then, then maybe that you know then maybe that's okay. Yeah, um, let's talk about one one strategy that I like to. Uh, follow through with my clients or that I recommend for my clients is think about someone who inherits money, for example. Someone inherits a hundred, a couple hundred thousand dollars from uh, his or her parents. And uh, let's say in this situation, they, they leave the money invested. They don't have an immediate need for it, right? This is for them, you know, maybe they're 40, 50 and they're, um, they're like, you know, I don't need the money right now. I would love to just leave this and let this be, you know, grow for me and for my own retirement, right? So if they're inherited, if the type of this inherit, you know, inheritance come in different forms from a tax perspective, some people inherit IRAs. Um, but le- let's say in this example, they inherited, a non-retirement account or they inherited cash from the sale of a home and they and they want to invest it or they inherited, you know, a, a portfolio of securities and it's it's not a retirement account. It's just a regular uh, non-retirement or non-qualified account. If you did, if this is a situation if this describes you and you're intending to leave this chunk of money for yourself for retirement. In other words, you don't have any immediate, you know, pay down my debt or send my kid to college type need for it or buy a house, whatever. If it really is a long-term retirement pot, one strategy is to slowly over time work those dollars into Roth dollars However, you have to be income eligible. So if you're one of those higher income earners and you've inherited this chunk of money and, it, and you've decided that it's you know, for retirement, then you cannot pursue this strategy because this is not a conversion technique. This is a contribution technique, right? So if you're, you've got this $200,000 inheritance and you're 45 years old and you know this is for me in my retirement, one thing that I like to practice. This is a little bit tax dependent, but one thing I like to practice is year over year analyzing whether or not it makes sense to pull, let's call it $6,000 from that inheritance investment account and move it over to a Roth. That would be a Roth contribution. But instead of making the contribution from your cash flow, maybe you don't have the cash flow to do it. Maybe you are maxing your 401k or, or cash flow is just tight and, and you don't have the money to do it. But if you can slowly over time, technically it's not a conversion, but transition that non-retirement money over to Roth money, you have to do it very slowly because you're limited by how much you can put in a Roth IRA uh, year over year. But that's just a great tech, that's a great technique from a tax perspective because even though non-qualified accounts are fairly tax efficient, they're not as tax efficient as a Roth. So getting the money over um, to the Roth 
I think makes a lot of sense and is something that I practice with my clients that have like a large non-qualified account and and they've we've earmarked it for retirement. Generally speaking, the type of people that have a large non-qualified account, you know, oftentimes that's from an inheritance. Um, or, you know, sale of property or, or something, or sale of, could be sale of business, I suppose, or something like that. But um, I think that the, that's a strategy that makes sense because you're kind of over time making your portfolio more tax efficient and making it uh, better for you in retirement. I, and I will say that I, I do evaluate that year over year because when you take, if, if the dollars in the non-retirement account are invested, and you're having to sell off, you know, some of the securities in there in order to move the 6,000 over to the Roth. You can't move securities, you have to move cash to a Roth. So in order to do that, if the securities are invested and there is a large amount of capital gains, sometimes it doesn't, you know, then you again have to evaluate, does this make sense based on the tax, the capital gains taxes that I'm going to, you know, pay to sell my investments and get it into a Roth. So it's really a year over year decision, but I do think that's a good strategy. I had, um, yeah, like I had somebody ask me earlier in the year when, you know, when the market was down a lot about, you know, would that be a good time to convert? Um, because you'd be, you know, it'd be less dollars, you know, coming out of the IRA because it was, things were temporarily down. Um, you know, so less taxes, but then, you know, basically buying the same securities on the other side in the Roth, uh, and then, you know, hopefully, you know, bouncing back with, with the recovery. Absolutely. Um, so that was, you know, so that was an interesting, um, idea. That's absolutely, that's absolutely a good strategy, right? Like if you had a, let's, let's call it a, if you had a $50,000 rollover, you know, back on, uh, let's say March 15th or March, whatever, March 15th there, and it was worth $30,000, that that would be the time to convert. Of course, these things aren't, you know, the conversions aren't instantaneous. It's, you know, it generally takes a couple of days. Um, there are, you know, paperwork requirements and things, but yeah, that that's absolutely a good strategy. So you can get that what was and was soon thereafter, you know, about $50,000. You can get it into a Roth by converting it at a low point and only paying taxes on 30. Love it. Beautiful. Yes, that's a great example of of where a conversion would make sense. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, you know, again, you know, tax dependent. Like, does that person is that person still working? Were they furloughed? Do they are they going to have the extra money this year to pay taxes on that, or are they converting? You know, they, again, you can withhold taxes from the conversion, but you know, other things to consider. But for sure, that's that's good thinking. Yeah. Now you meant so. You know, you were talking about Roth conversions, and, and you were using the term backdoor. But to me, the backdoor Roth—that's that's the other. Oh, sorry. Other. Right. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I, and, which is fairly complicated. I don't know if you intended to get into that one or not. You're um, right. I'm sorry, but where they where you make an IRA contribution and then immediately convert? You're right. I was I wasn't using that term perfectly appropriately. You're essentially doing the same thing, but instead of converting IRA dollars that you just have, you're putting money into an IRA and then converting right away. Right, right. you're right, thank you for that clarification. I mean, it's essentially the same thing. So yeah, but, but the, yeah, so it's basically yeah. it's, a way, it's a way, you know, you're bypassing the, the income limitations, you know, so if you make too much money, right. basically you make, you make a non-deductible IRA contribution. Right. Uh, it's not deductible because again, you make too much money um, in this situation, uh, but then you can basically immediately convert it to a Roth. 
Um, so you're going to pay taxes on it. You know, you're going to pay, you're going to pay the, the taxes on that, uh, on that, you know, say $6,000 or whatever it is, whatever the contribution is. Um, but you could, you could theoretically do that, you know, every year, you know, that, that you're, that you make too much money. The, my, you know, my understanding is a little complicated. Um, it gets complicated if you have IRA money, because if you have other IRA money, then you have to, there's a calculation that factors that in. And I believe you have to, there's some, there's some taxes and, and this is where it gets caught. And I'm not, you know, we don't, we don't really do much of this uh, because it is kind of complicated. Um, but I think if, I think if, you know, if, if all your, if all your retirement money is in 401k, then that makes life easier uh, in this example, because that's excluded. Um, do you know the details on, on that? How that, how that math works? Yeah. Or? You're talking about if some of their, right. If there is some of their contributions are non-deductible and some are. Yeah, right. that's a, they ha, they they do some sort of a blended calculation on what the taxes do are upon conversion. Yeah, right. no, so I bet. You, yeah. So if you have it, if you have IRA money, you, you, can, you can do it, but it's but it's it becomes a little more complicated, and you're probably going to need you know your accountant or somebody to to help you to help you with the math. Right. Um, I also we only have like ten or fifteen minutes left. I also wanted to get into um, the fact that Roths are really great chunks of money to leave to beneficiaries like kids, adult kids, for example, when, so we already mentioned that in your lifetime, uh, withdrawals are tax free, qualified distributions from Roths are tax free. So that's over 59 and a half. And after you've had the account for five years, so tax free in your lifetime. Also, if you pass and you leave your Roth IRA to someone else, let's call it your adult child, that adult child also can take tax-free withdrawals from the Roth. So there's no income taxes on that. Prior to the SECURE Act at the end of 2019, the Roth was even more beautiful as an investment, as a, as a bequesting tool because old tax law indicated that a beneficiary of a Roth could could uh, essentially keep that Roth for their lifetime as well and have compounding interest uh, earnings continue essentially forever for their lifetime. But they the beneficiaries had to take required distributions from a Roth, but they could essentially keep that for a long time and into their retirement and have a very long period of time during which they could, you know, take advantage of compounding or tax-free earnings on the Roth dollars. That changed as a result of the SECURE Act, which was passed at the end of 2019. So, or was it 18? I think it was 2019. Oh, yeah, it was yeah. last year. So now beneficiaries, uh, non-spouse beneficiaries that inherit a Roth, they still can take tax-free withdrawals but they have to fully withdraw the account within 10 years of date of death. Now, there are some exceptions to that for a minor child or for, um, there's like a disability uh, exception. And there's an exception for someone who is like a beneficiary who's less than 10 years younger than the decedent. So there are a few exceptions, but in a traditional you know, adult child inherits from mom or dad type scenario. The Roth is still great because you have 10 years within which to draw 
tax-free from the Roth. So it's a great chunk of money to leave. Kids, unfortunately, with the, with the new change in tax law, they can't keep that invested like forever and just take a small draw. They do have to fully withdraw within 10 years. Um, right. and, and, depending, you know, and depending on that, that child's you know, tax situation, uh, they could theoretically take those distributions and put it into a, a Roth of their own uh, if, you know, if, if they're under the, you know, under the income limits and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, fair enough. That's a good point. Okay, so we have like, I don't know, five or, uh, 10 more minutes or so. Um, we've been talking about the, you know, why you might need a Roth IRA, the, the Roth and all its beauty. I actually, we did a show, The Roth and All Its Beauty, a few years ago. It's like my favorite show, clearly. I talk about it all the time. I went back and looked for the outline. I couldn't quite find it. So we, we probably covered some of the same topics, but I just wanted to kind of summarize, right, and give people some things to um, think about as a result of today's show. So, so number one, I think a Roth is broadly appropriate, meaning there's a lot of people who could take advantage, who would be well off by putting at least some dollars into a Roth, if, if possible. I don't necessarily think um, all of your retirement savings sh should go to Roth, especially if you're on the older side and you are a higher income earner. I think those are situations in which your deductible contributions are gonna are more beneficial to you. Anyone in their teens, 20s, 30s, even I think 40s, great time to get money into a Roth. Number one, because you can really benefit from tax-free compounded earnings and the earlier you get money into a Roth, the sooner that five-year clock starts, right? right? So that five-year, you know, that first-time home buyer, five years have to pass for it to be tax-free. If you tuck money, if you start putting money in a Roth at age 57 and want to take it out tax-free at 60, that doesn't work. You have to have that, you have to get that five-year clock started. Um, so the sooner you can start that, the better. And sometimes people say things like, you know, maybe they're only going to be able to contribute to a Roth this year and then next year they're anticipating their income, you know, to be higher, right? You know, does it make sense to contribute to an account if I'm only going to do it one time? In the case of a Roth, I think absolutely. Don't ever worry about, I don't think people should ever worry about the account like being too small. Um, and what if I never add to it ongoing? That's okay. You can, those dollars should, not guaranteed, but should have earnings over long periods of time. And, and you know, over 20, 30, 40 years, that, those earnings compounded are powerful. So I don't think people should worry about that. I mean, I had that one example where someone had like a thousand dollars or, you know, in a, in a rollover and we were going to convert it to a Roth, that's, that's a little bit different, but you know, I don't think people should worry about like starting small. I mean, I have some young clients, kids of clients, things like that. They're just starting out, they got their first job, whatever. They don't have a, they're not making a ton of money yet. Um, you know, even if you're getting a hundred bucks a month in there, that's, it's just, it's, it's, that's better than none at all. And you can always increase it later. And if you can't, it'll, it'll, you know, just should just grow over time with, with earnings, not guaranteed, of course. But, um, what were you going to say? Uh, one thing was just about the, the five year, you know, clock, um, and basically just, you know, um, just to kind of quickly explain that, you know, it's from, it's from the, you know, the initial, you know, basically the initial contribution, you know, that starts the five year clock. And then, you know, any money that you add does not, you know, does not increase the clock. So the, the clock, the five years right. clock starts as soon as you, you know, make your first contribution and then right. that's it. You know, right. the five years starts then, you know, so if you add money, you know, five years down the road, that money's already, 
all set um, right. as far as cover, you know covering the five year uh, window. Um, right. It's not, it's not a it's not a constantly restarting clock. Right. That's a good point. And also one other point, you know, if, if you think about uh, income in retirement, right, someone that has a 401k, let's say they have a, a million dollar 401k and they're taking uh, $50,000 per year out. When they take $50,000 per year out of a Roth, I'm sorry, out of a 401k or an IRA, they're paying taxes on that at whatever their tax rate is. So they're paying, you know, 20, 30% in taxes. So if you take $50,000 out of an IRA in retirement, you're only taking home 38, $40,000, something like that, right? If you had a million dollar Roth, very, very uncommon right now to have a million dollar Roth, but that will change in the future, right? As they've been around longer, maybe. Well, with, as Roth 401ks get more popular, but you, you don't have to take as much out. Translation, the account doesn't need to be as big if you're comparing it to a traditional IRA or a 401k. Like a, a $700,000 Roth is essentially the same as a million dollar 401k because the taxes are different. It's a, you're drawing out tax free and having that Roth component to your portfolio in retirement, it's, it's great for people because it allows us, if we can draw, even if someone has a small Roth relative to the, their other investments like 401ks and IRAs, you, you know, allowing, you know, even taking a small monthly draw in retirement, 300, 500 bucks a month, whatever it is, that just allows us because that that's happening tax-free. If we can take 300 a month out tax-free for someone in retirement from a Roth, and we can do that for a long period of time, that's like 500 a month that we don't have to take out of their, their rollover IRA, which allows us to lower the draw on their larger chunk of money. So, I mean, that's just a little bit part of income planning, but I guess the point to that was because it's a totally different tax animal, it doesn't have to be as big in order to support your income needs in the future, which is kind of cool if you think about it. Now, having said that, of course, it's harder for people to get as much money into Roths, right? Because you're, you don't have as much money because you don't get the tax break. So you're, it's harder to save, but you're rewarded for that longer, longer term. The people that you know work hard and pay those taxes and get the money in, they're actually. They actually don't need to save quite as much, um, but I think that's pretty cool. All right, anything else on Roths? We talked, that was, I knew we could talk about Roths for two hours. They're so amazing. Um, so if you are wondering if they're appropriate for you, ask your advisor or call, you know, shoot us an email, Mac, in, uh, questions at McNamaraonmoney.com um, or, you know, reach out and, and see if they're appropriate for you, even in some way. I, I just think they're, they're I, I think that the people that get the money in them, even if it's a little bit, they appreciate it later. And if, you know, you know, it's like here or there, I need a car, I need like 50 grand, you know, for a car, but I, I don't want to take 75 out of my 401k, right? So here, let's grab it from the Roth. You know, stuff like that. It's really great. And like I said, it's really a great account to leave for beneficiaries. And, and when we do that strategy, like think about the Roth is generally one of the smaller chunks of money that people have. So sometimes I have conversations with Danny clients about- and Grammarly um, working on her senior oh, thesis. Grammarly. What's, Once what's, she subtracts <laughs> unnecessary words. What's going on, Tim? Oh, okay, real quick, I'm wrapping it up. I know it's almost time to go. Um, but because Roths are a great uh, investment vehicle to leave to kids and, and because they're generally a smaller component to someone's portfolio, hopefully that will change long-term. But right now 
they are. That's a type of account that sometimes I talk with clients about maybe taking a little bit more risk with the investments in the account and getting a little bit aggressive with that strategy. You know, let's be conservative and moderate and prudent with your bigger dollars. But if this Roth IRA over here where, you know, we're pro you probably don't need it. It's kind of small. You're going to leave it to the kids anyway. Let's take a little bit of investment risk with it. Let's get aggressive. That's kind of a fun, that's kind of a fun strategy, right? It's a fun, it's kind of fun to get aggressive with a small chunk of money. If from in February, 2020, that it was not fun, you know, to be aggressive with anything, but, but, you know, long-term, it's kind of nice to have that investment diversification too. And, and, and a lot of people kind of like that strategy because it's kind of a, even retirees are sometimes okay taking a little bit of risk with a small amount of money. It's kind of fun and, and, you know, in good years. So. Yeah. No, um, I just had that same conversation with people and like, you know, we kind of, now that they're a few years into retirement and they feel comfortable, like what the withdrawal rate is, uh, and it looks like they're probably never going to touch their Roths. So we decided, yeah, let's, you know, make it more aggressive. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of fun for people. Um, Alrighty. That music time to go. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, uh, joined today by my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed. You can find more about us at McNamaraFinancial.com or the uh, radio show's website, McNamaraOnMoney.com. I hope you enjoyed learning about the beautiful Roth today and whether and, and maybe can make a determination about a Roth if a Roth is appropriate for you. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. 